Do not desire and try to take your neighbor's house. Do not desire and try to take your neighbor's wife, male or female servant, ox, donkey, or anything else that belongs to your neighbor. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. So today we come to the last of our Ten Commandments for life, and it is one that feels incredibly relevant to our life today without us having to dig into its meaning much at all. While our lists of what we might covet, what we, what we might desire so much we will try to take it, or go into too much debt to have it, or work ourselves to death to be able to afford it, while our lists of what we might covet likely look different than the one from the Israelites' time, though I will admit a few years back to having a couple of weeks where I was pretty obsessed with a particular donkey. While our lists of what we might covet likely look different than the one from the Israelites' time, y'all, this one speaks some hard and important truths to us as we navigate life in the world today. As Hamilton points out in his book, our economy is dependent on us thinking we need things that so much of the time we really don't. There are untold amounts of money spent each year to send us messages, messages telling us what we are lacking, what we must have, making us feel less than if, less than if we don't acquire whatever product they are selling. As Hamilton puts it, we live in an economic system that relies on fueling our desire for more to increase consumer spending. Capitalism is a brilliant system in so many ways. It fuels innovation and constant improvement. It creates jobs and opportunities. But it also requires that thousands of companies and tens of thousands of very smart people work constantly to convince you that what you have is not enough. Producers of goods and services must create discontent with what we have, thus fueling our desire for more. Hamilton names that this isn't a hard task because our hearts are so easily drawn to covet. And it is clear that our struggle with this isn't unique to our time, but it's been one of the things that gets in the way of the life we were meant to live since the very beginning. If you look back to the very beginning of the Bible, you can find your first marketer. Even though, unlike many who work in the industry today, this marketer had a devious intent when approaching his consumer. The serpent, the adversary who finds Eve in the Garden of Eden, points out the one tree that was off limits to her and Adam. In order to shift her focus from all that she did have access to in the garden to the one thing that was off limits. The serpent peddles the fruit of the tree to Eve, convincing her it would be fine to eat what God has prohibited, planting those seeds of desire in her. And like ones that are planted in us, they do not take long to take root and grow and consume a significant amount of space in her mind and heart. Before long, she is eating that fruit and convincing Adam to do the same, which is how marketing works. There is a snowball effect when people start buying and using a particular product. 
as suddenly their friends and neighbors find themselves wanting, even needing it too. It's why I have two very fancy new chairs to watch soccer in um, for my daughter's soccer game in the back of my car, right? I've like watched as the season went on, everybody got the same chairs, right? Like it just grew, right? That's how it works, right? We see the thing, we think we need it too. This covenant thing is not a new struggle, but one that has been with us from the beginning. Adam and Eve are expelled from the garden because they broke God's rule about the fruit of that tree of life. And instead of having everything they need provided for them by a generous God, they are left to a life of toil and hard labor. Something similar happens to us if we do not check our desires. In our world today, there will always be something newer, bigger, or better to buy. And if we aren't careful, we will end up working our life away trying to keep up instead of enjoying the gifts of our generous God. Jesus spends a lot of time in his teachings on this subject. In Luke 12, he has a man come up to him, asking him to get his brother to share his inheritance with him. An example of coveting what would not have been his in the culture of his day, where the firstborn son would have inherited everything. Jesus refuses to referee this family squabble and then says this, Watch out. Guard yourself against all kinds of greed. After all, one's life isn't determined by an abundance of possessions. We get so focused on the stuff. But y'all, the stuff is not where it is at. The happiness we get from our material possessions is fleeting and short-lived. Before we know it, we are on to wanting the next thing. That need that lives inside us doesn't ever get satisfied by stuff. What brings us true joy, what is life-giving to us, and what is life-giving to us are our relationships and connections with others. When we get so focused on material things, you know, the stuff can get in the way. It can isolate us from others, or it can demand so much of our focus. It can keep us working so hard or make us so stressed about the debt we have accumulated that we have less energy and time for what really matters. The people God has gifted us to love and care for, the relationships that give us joy, the meaningful experiences we can share with others. Next summer, I'll be traveling to North Carolina to preach two weeks of the youth conferences held at Montreat Conference Center there. Those of us in leadership work with a planning team made up of youth and adults and the other leaders we will be working with in our two weeks together. A couple of months ago, the planning team members got together to think about what youth in our world today needed to hear as they come to the conference next summer. And through that work, they together chose the theme for next summer's conferences. In the early days of this past week, all of us in leadership spent time together fleshing out that theme and planning what would be the focus in the scriptures for each day of the conference. The theme the youth and adults chose was more than enough. And as we worked with it this week, we recognized that there were many ways you could interpret those three words. 
and that they captured some important truths about us, our God, and the realities of our world today. I am grateful so many youth next summer will get to wrestle with those important truths, just as you and I get to wrestle with them today. We have been conditioned to live with a scarcity mindset, that there is only so much of anything in the world and we are at risk of not having enough. That fear, fear of running out, of not having what we will need, can drive us to have more than enough, to literally have more than we need. The scarcity mindset isn't just about material things either. It can also be found in the way we view ourselves. When we start comparing ourselves to our neighbor, it can become so easy for us to start thinking, I am not enough. We see teens do this all the time, but us adults are so prone to it too. I am not pretty enough, not smart enough, not successful enough, not athletic enough. The list could go on and on. I am not enough. The fear of this not enoughness leads us to a similar place as our fear of not having enough. We try to use stuff to make us feel better about ourselves whether it be the clothes we wear, the phone we carry, or the car we drive. What's fascinating is how scarcity breeds scarcity. When I feel like I don't have enough or I am not enough, I take more than I need. I'm not generous with my things or my spirit, and suddenly I am perpetuating the scarcity that I fear. The scarcity mindset is what makes our hearts fertile grounds for those seeds of desire that leads us to covetous actions that get in the way of our life instead of enhancing it. There's a dramatic shift that happens when we can leave behind that scarcity mindset and instead step into the abundance of God. When we come to trust that our God is more than enough, When we come to realize that we who were created in God's image are more than enough just as we are, that we are beloved children of a loving and gracious God, we become way less focused on what we do not have and instead so much more grateful for what we have been given. When we allow ourselves to experience the grace of God's provision, and learn that we truly can heed Jesus' words not to worry so much about tomorrow, we will experience God's generosity. And y'all, that generosity is inspiring. When we experience that we have more than enough under God's care, instead of hanging on to more than we need, we share of what we have generously. And more people around us suddenly have more than enough as well. Just as scarcity breeds scarcity, abundance does the same. While a scarcity mindset and the covetous actions it inspires threatens to cut us off from relationships with others, living under God's abundance does the opposite. When we live lives of gratitude, when we live generously, when we don't worry so much about what we have, when we trust the goodness of God within us and see it within others, y'all, it draws us closer to God and to one another. It helps us reach out and care for one another well. 
It creates space for us to enjoy the people we have been gifted in this life and the time we have to share with them. It allows us to see another's neighbor's need and not react with fear about our own security, but instead turn to them with generosity, leaving us both with more than enough in the end. Like all the ones before it, this is a commandment for life, a commandment gifted to us by a generous God who loves us and wants us to experience the full and abundant life we were created to receive. May we have eyes to see all that we have been given. May we have hearts that are filled with gratitude. May we have spirits that learn to trust God's provision. May we have hands open and willing to share generously with others. May our deepest desires be a longing for the life we were meant to live. Life lived together in the abundance of God. May we know in the depths of our bones that our God is more than enough, that we are more than enough, that we can be a part of making sure there is more than enough for all in this world. Amen.